0: Welcome back to Simon White and the podcast at the crossroads of media, business, and politics focused on East Asia. I'm Christian White and joined, as always, by Mark Simon. Mark, please say hello. Hey, how are you? How's
1: it going today? Welcome back from Taiwan, by the way.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah, I was uh, over there for a week. It was uh, interesting. A lot has changed. A lot has stayed the same. You know, Taiwan is... uh, in competition or was in competition with Hong Kong and Japan to see who could stay closed the longest. Of course, China, I guess, will take the cake, still doing a zero COVID strategy. But uh, it was interesting to be back. I know you've been back a number of times during the pandemic. I went with the group. It was with Secretary of State Pompeo, who went to Kaohsiung in the southern part of the country, the first official of his rank, former official, uh, to get down there, and the idea was to get away from Taipei to see uh, businessmen who weren't uh, purely just in politics, uh, to see a little bit of the supply chain, at least the free world side of the supply chain. Uh, I gotta say it was um, uh, there's some, still some irritations that will continue even after the quarantine is done away with in a few weeks here, a couple of weeks, uh, which is the need to stay in quarantine hotels, which are actually kind of hard to find and pretty inconvenient. Uh, the fact that mask uh, wearing even oh, outdoors, God. even on hot muggy days, seems to be about ninety nine point nine percent. Did you did you wear a mask outdoors when you were in Taiwan? I, I, I the problem I
1: had is like, well, the advantage I have is I live up in Yangmingshan, Shan. So I live up on the mountain so I can walk out my door and not wear the mask. You know what I'm saying? I walk around all the time, um, you know, without the mask up around where I am because I'm by myself. I hike and I walk around. I'm not wearing a mask when I go on a hike. And by the way, you don't have to if you're doing physical exercise. But it's stupid. It's just dumb. I mean, I was, I, I left there, you know, at the end of, I left there at the end of August. You know, and I'm going back next week. You know, it's dumb. I mean, you're sitting there, it's hot, it's sweaty. You're walking down the street and they 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 wear them. There, there is something, and Hong Kong's the same way. And same in China. And I was in Queens a little while ago and it was the same there. There's something about uh, basically the mask that doesn't bother, um, you know, that doesn't bother certain societies. And, you know, that's what it is. And in Taiwan, I'm telling you, every time I complain about the mask, I openly admit it. People kind of look at me and say, stop being such a prick. They don't mind it. They don't like it, but they don't complain about it. And it's they're just it's just more compliant. There's just much more compliant, you know. Japan's a lot of people.
0: It's weird. Yeah, they 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 say their government is uh, you know is is telling them to do this, and they're much less likely, I guess, than we are to question the government. But it's actually misinformation. I mean, wearing masks outdoors doesn't stop anything. As far,
1: it's actually worse for you,
0: and it's been horrible on
1: the children. And the simple fact of the matter is, I will take a shot at President Tai. It's one of the things, I mean, it's one of the things that we have to look at. They've been forcing these kids to wear masks now in Taiwan for close to three years. We're coming up on three years. And the developmental is, is, is devastating. And when you talk to people who know about it, that's it. But then again, you've got a very, there's not many kids there. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, it's a small population and children are not the priority there. That's that's a very sad thing to say. But it is one of the things I will say about Taiwan is children are not a priority of the society. You know, no, it's 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 I'm I'm sure you cut cut this clip and put it out. Mark Simon says, no, in Taiwan, children are not a priority of the society. They they are not. It's it's you've got a young society, very um, self-absorbed, very much into their own world. They come up with all the usual bullshit excuses for not having children. Oh, they cost too much. Oh, you know, I don't want to lose my I want to lose my career, which is always my favorite one, to be honest with you. When young people say that to me, oh, I don't want to damage my career. Yeah, like we're all about to be Buzz Lightyear going up into the stars and saving the world. You know what I'm saying? Or Dr. Salk invented polio. polio. Most of most people are going to end up retiring. They're going to have a regular job. They're going to make some money, maybe go to Europe a couple of times. You know, it's a job, you know, it says that's what it is. But anyway, I'm ranting rave here. I want too much. I wanted to ask you, I want to ask the big question. What do you think of Taiwan? I mean, what's their focus on China? What do you think they're looking at with China now?
0: It does seem the the groups I spoke to, these would be more green, which has nothing yeah. to do with European or American Green Party. As you know, it's the ruling Democratic Progressive Party. So these are the more skeptical of China people. Um that, that that skepticism and concern continues to grow, and they look at you know things that President Biden has said, saying that the US would come to their defense, but then to be backed off by the White House. One thing that did shock me was the senior Uh, or a person with with a lot of experience in their national security bureaucracy saying that actually there is a contingent in the military that is soft on China, that you you would think that the uniform guys would be the most skeptical, the most fearful of an invasion, the most demanding of more resources to deter an invasion. And in Mm -hmm. fact, there is sort of a contingent that thinks that, no, China probably will never invade. No, it's bluster sort of a KMT uh, or blue view of, of the world, which uh, sort of surprised me. And we have our our politician flagstaff and E-ring uh, in contrast to our fighting admirals and generals. I hope we still have some of those left, who knows. Um, but it was surprised me to hear that about Taiwan. Did you ever heard that?
1: Yeah, I've heard that a lot of times. The Taiwan military is actually kind of a disaster in many of their things. So for example, the first thing is, is like soft on China. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The, the, the senior military, senior army, in particular, uh, is is actually quite bad. The air force not so bad because they're out there all the time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, most of your generals have fly they're they're flyboys, you know, so they're they're a little bit better. Uh, Navy, it's okay, but no, there's a there's a there's a leftover contingent, probably in the generals and colonels level who are KMTers, and they kind of view their job as You know our job is to be here, and then we want this. But they also are strong believers that the U.S. will not come to their aid. That is that that is that is that is long long ago thought that. Now that's changed. That's changed in the last four or five years. But essentially, yes, there's there's a significant contingent in the military, just like to be perfectly honest with you, in the foreign ministry. You know we have to remember most of the people. If you had gone into the, if you had gone into the Taiwanese government up until 2000, you were up until 2000, you were probably, so you're in your 40s now, mid 50s, you're probably KMT. So they're still there. So, you know, like I'm saying, you've got a situation where the lieutenants, captains and majors, they're all fine on, on, on this, but the older guys, no, they're bad. And that's also, we, we get a lot of, we got, I mean, you know, my God, the number of spies that they have, the Chinese have is just phenomenal. You know, um the these it's it's really it's it's one of the reasons why when they would talk about getting the F thirty five, I was like, No way. You know, <laughs> are you kidding? Who would give them the I mean the, the the leaks that they've got inside them? And you know, when you talk about why you know, you've made some comments before about like, you know, the readiness of them, but no, I've heard I've heard a lot of that. Uh, that's not an uncommon thought process. And the other thing about the military is that I think we have to remember is they are the key opponents of a, of a, of a, of a vivid and um and 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 reactive um civil defense they do not want anybody armed the the military really opposes the civil defense stuff the army especially they 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 viciously oppose it and I think the u s needs to do more about that and and civil society chai herself has has messed up on that she just needs to say look we're we're gonna we're gonna order forty thousand M-16s are 60,000, and we're going to pre-position them around the island. Then we're going to have you guys train with
0: these small militias. You know, the
1: the Army does not like it. They do not like it at all,
0: you know, so. One other thing I uh, noticed when I was there, and I think this is the Rupert Murdoch test for if a city is prosperous or not, is to look around and uh, see the number of cranes. Uh, And there were one or two close to my hotel, but, The city wasn't full of them. I mean, the city seems okay, and I saw Taipei and Tainan and Kaohsiung, um, but there is a consequence to taking nearly three years off from the world. It's, I mean, the first of all, the, the, deep impact on children who will go through all of you know say middle school without <laughs> without ever going to class without a mask on maybe maybe they don't even recognize their teachers without them um but also just in in, in keeping people away people who who have a strong reason to go and you've got a number of times still go and of course we're rooting for them to be successful but this did not feel um bubbly and energetic and they've put so much of their so many of their chips on semiconductors Uh, And if you look semiconductor, I mean, the big guys, uh, they're still building fabs and things like that, but they are liquidating inventory. They are predicting a downturn. Uh, And as we said before in this program, semiconductors are going to be just another boring piece of hardware pretty soon, I think. And, uh, you know, where does that leave Taiwan? One thing Pompeo said in his speech is that, you know, trade is good. We should be in favor of more trade, all that. But think about ways Mm -hmm. to make life easier for expats. Can expats get Uh, checking accounts and insurance and uh, credit ratings and all of the other things that are necessary, just sort of the boring but necessary parts of business. And they have work to do.
1: I, I would agree. I mean, so your sense was basically not a thriving economy, which is basically my sense there too. You know, it's, it's a place that's just getting by, you know, and, and, and that's a strong feeling of that. There's really no vibrancy there. Now, in fairness, That's the same feeling you get almost all over Asia. And the U.S. was a little different in the last year where it just kind of took off. Um, But it it is I I think I think a lot of that has to do with also demographics. It's markedly an older society. And that's why I say they don't really care about children. But, you know, Secretary Pompeo's point about expats. Well, you've heard me that I've beaten that drum a million times. You know what I'm saying? I just was down at Tech Row, New York today trying to get something and they're going, Oh, you have to have this notified. You know, this, you'd have to have this notified by the Filipino embassy. So, you know, in other words, it's like, without even thinking twice about this, you know what I'm saying? They, they send you on this wild goose chase through other consulates, which everybody knows is going to be a pain in the ass, you know, but they, but just that it's just not there. They don't, I really am starting to believe the whole, I hate to say it, I'm not saying I agree with China on certain things, but there are certain countries that just make themselves uncompetitive. And and it's my concern about Taiwan. Your point about not having, about only being about chips, it's incredibly correct. I mean, they don't really have anything else, certainly not finance, certainly not anything else. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they could be a world financial center. They said, well, the Chinese banks will come in. I said, you're not a member of WTO. You don't have to let them in. Just let the U.S. banks in there. You know what I'm saying? That's all you have to do. You know, just let the U.S. and the European banks operate like that. Let them run your banking system. Then see how much protection you have. Imagine if the, the, the top 10 banks in Taiwan, seven of them were foreign banks, non-Chinese. You'd have a lot of clout. You know what I'm saying? You know, a lot of places. If You could bring people into working call centers if you could do things. I'm not sure, you know, we always forget this, that basically Taiwan is a left of center country when it comes to economics. And that's a problem in a a, a global economy. They basically have been done well because a long time ago, somebody said those people are our friends. And Madam Chiang Kai-shek was all over New York City, you know, what I'm saying doing her magic. And they got to basically make radios and do all that fun stuff for us. But now, let's be honest, there's nothing there. Other, other than, I mean, I'm actually very pessimistic about their economy in terms of being vibrant. I think it'll always grow because it's next to China. You know, and China will get back on track. I think, maybe not.
0: Yeah, moving across the straight straight west from Hong Kong, you have um, excuse me, from Taiwan, you have Hong Kong what's going on there? They seem to have finally, uh, you know, these last three holdouts, not China, not the mainland, but Japan, Taiwan, and Hong Kong seem to have decided to kind of sort of rejoin the world now. Um, so what drove that in Hong Kong?
1: Well, what drove it in Hong Kong was Taiwan. What drove it in Taiwan was Hong Kong. What drove it in Japan was those two. I mean, it was like fetal dumb, fetal D, and like, oh, you know, we'll be first. We're opening before them. And it was like, I think somebody moved two days just to be not on the... Not on the 15th. I mean, Hong Kong opens the 15th. Taiwan goes, we're opening the 13th. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's, it's 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 a joke. The one thing that's very interesting about Hong Kong, and I and I say this, first of all, in early November, they're trying to do the bring back Hong Kong thing. In other words, Hong Kong reemerges in the world and everything like that. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be trying to shit all over that. You know what I'm saying? For good reason. Because they're not, you can't re-enter the world and have a thousand political prisoners in jail. They seem to just not want to talk about these things. And here's the interesting thing. Hong Kong has now adopted the number one Chinese foreign policy tool. Shut up. Anytime China gets a hard time about anything, it's shut up. You've insulted the Chinese people. You've insulted now. It's you've insulted the Hong Kong people. Now it's we're working together. Look, we're going to see what's going to happen with some of these major Western banks if they show up. HSBC, Standard Chartered are already showing up. Apparently, Morgan Stanley is showing up. We have not heard from from Goldman Sachs. I would think they probably will. Now, my personal belief is interacting with these people probably violates in spirit some of the Hong Kong sanctions. In other words, revitalizing, working with the financial secretary, who's got sanctions on him. You know what I'm saying? I think dealing with them and promoting them, I think at least the spirit of financial sanctions are being violated. Um, so we'll see. I'm sure somebody will say something about it. But Hong Kong's trying to relaunch. I don't think it happens. A, a financial center has to be vibrant. A financial sister has, center has to be, have a little Wild West to it. Believe it or not, Singapore has that. Not culturally but in their financial markets. And they also have a stable rule of law where they are not cracking down on dissonance. Now, they probably would. They had to, but they're not. And I just don't see Hong Kong coming back. I mean, look, you, did you see recently, we had two things that were very interesting. First of all, Chinese banks, I mean, China asked Western banks and people not to print put out negative financial reports on China in the run-up to Xi Jinping's <laughs> oh, is coronation. That all it
0: takes? Yeah, can can any can a TS company do that? It's
1: like, out, oh. don't don't say anything bad. Well, in the old days, the only thing that would happen there, the pressure would be there, would be some guy saying, Look, you know, can you guys hold off on writing that China's a hellhole for a week, you know what I'm saying? So we can, you know, actually, you know, not lose all our business. And most people would it'd be a commercial decision and that would be fine. But now in Hong Kong, you better not write it because if you write it, maybe one of these quizlings in Hong Kong is going to come after you, especially if you're a Hong Kong analyst, you know, not if you're not an American, if you're holding a Hong Kong passport. So so basically they've they've completely destroyed the credibility of analysis on China in the Hong Kong market, because it's like and don't write it bad running up to this point what they really mean is don't write anything bad ever. And the second thing is, we had this bizarre thing where the Chinese Communist Party have asked all the foreign foreign consulates for the schematics of their offices. They want all the offices. The FT broke the story. Primrose Royden broke the story the other day. They're asking for all the, the 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 design, you know, the layouts of the offices for the consulates.
0: What? That's very odd. Yeah, if if you could, you could have some fun by sending in some phony like oh this is our armory. That would be hilarious. This is our this is our uh, our gold bullion uh, yeah. Re- yeah. reserve. That's uh yeah the, the weirdness just seems to continue there as you point out that local banks or local analysts who work for international banks have no credibility. Um anymore. And if you look at the brain drain, I'm surprised it's not going faster. You know, Bloomberg sort of did this thing where it says, oh, it'll take Singapore, is it 20 years to catch up in wealth? But that's, I think, the wrong way to look at it. Once the city starts to grow and you contrast it with one, that's, I mean, that's shrinking. Um, You know, compare Charlotte, North Carolina to Detroit in any time since 1970. And (laughs) I'm sure at one point Detroit was wealthier, at least on paper, but sure didn't feel that way. You know, that's a really good point,
1: Kristen. A lot of times people are looking for reasons to, uh, you know, say, oh, this can happen and that can happen. A lot of it's because they don't really like Singapore. You know what I'm saying? They're not fans of Singapore. Um, and we some people don't want to see a system like Singapore be rewarded. But the Singaporean system and the lesser of evils is a lesser evil than the Hong Kong system right now. But I do believe people don't like to hear it. I firmly believe that there is not an opportunity for a financial center to grow as long as you've got basically what is martial law running around. I mean, that's really what they've got in Hong Kong. You know, they're arresting the guys for playing ukuleles or whatever, and they're arresting people. They're arresting people for passing on things. They're looking for the, they're, they're telling analysts not to write things. They're asking for the floor plans of consulates, you know, I mean, who's kidding who, and, and they're still, you know, they still got all these draconian measures. Like for example, they still have no live music. No, no live music venues. Still, if there's more than six people in the street standing together, you're probably going to get broken up by the cops, you know. And, and, you know, if you wear the wrong stuff, if you have the wrong shirt, you're going to get stopped. And that doesn't happen in Singapore. It doesn't even happen in Dubai, you know, kind of they tolerate a lot, you know. And I think that's the next thing, because their system has to keep clamping down. And so basically you're pushing down on a financial system that actually has to soar. To really get going, you know, I mean, how can you be a, Can you be a short? Can you run shorts on China based in Hong Kong criticizing people all the time? You know what I'm saying? How do you how do you short Chinese construction stocks, you know, when they're mad as hell about that?
0: Yeah, it might might attract someone wanted attention from the authorities. You know, surprised in Taiwan if, to hear a, uh, some sort of, I'd say, guarded optimism about the Philippines. Uh, they have such bad relations. It's not necessarily their fault. It's the other government. So their military doesn't even really talk to the U.S. military, vice versa. Um, When Air Force and Navy planes fly around Taiwan on surveillance missions, they don't bother communicating with Taiwan, even though Taiwan tries. Um, Communications between Japan and Taiwan are almost nil as far as military to military or intelligence to intelligence. Um, But with the Philippines, they seem a little bit optimistic that Bang Bang will be better than Duterte, uh, and a little more skeptical of China. What do you think? Well, old man Marcos was an anti commie,
1: and I actually used to smoke cigars with Bong Bong with Bong at the Shangri-La. I was the probably he'd probably remember me as the fat white American guy who kind of sat by himself and every once in a while he'd walk over and he'd engage me in conversation and Um, You know, he's not that much older than, you know, he's, you know, less than 10 years older than me. Very interesting, interesting guy in many ways when you actually sit there and talk to him. Not stupid, not dumb. Um, People always make that. I don't know what it is with, especially the left, where they basically have to find something with somebody and then immediately say this person's an idiot. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like what they do to Liz Truss and what they do. There's this desire to just basically destroy the individual Bong is not a dumb guy. My concern with Bong is he's not ruthless enough. That's my concern. He's kind of a rich kid. Uh, Duterte was actually pretty damn fierce. You know what I'm saying? But my concern with Bong is that he's a little bit more wild, but he is certainly more pro-American than Duterte was. Duterte hated Americans. I, I was warned of that personally when I was going up to see him one time, pulled aside and said, Simon, you talk way too much this guy does not like Americans, shake his hand, say hello and move on. And it was the bad, it was very good advice. And I, I, throughout the evening, the only people he wanted to talk to because there was a couple of American guys there who were trying to talk to him, you know what I'm saying? And they were like, he was the, he was the mayor. Then it was, then he was the mayor, the governor of, 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 of and they were trying to talk to him. He wanted nothing to do with them. You know what I'm saying? But he talked to the Aussies and the Brits all day long and, and, and and you kind of the, the, the fruit guys, Dole and Del Monte, you know, they kind of learned that, you know, you had to have somebody else down there. Um, even the, the port and terminal guys down there knew he just didn't like Americans. We've had the guy sanctioned since the late 80s, by the way. Oh, yeah, he was murdering people a long time ago. Um, but uh, but the thing is, is that he's always been problematic. Um, but Bong is he's he's much more part of Manila society. I mean, it's. There's kind of a myth that Marcoses are out of the loop. You ever seen Imelda walk through the peninsula or the Shangri-La or walk into a concert hall? Nobody's booing. You know what I'm saying? There's no boo. You know, it's not it. I mean, she's well-received wherever she goes,
0: you know? Yeah, it was a strong comeback. I can't remember if she's still in the Senate, but she was for a while. <laughs> she
1: was. I mean, that's the whole, you know, it's it's like it is what it is. I mean, I I used to know one of the Aquino's, not the president. and. You know, you like somebody said the number of times that Corey would be someplace, she had her bodyguards and she'd be sitting in the corner, and then all of a sudden there'd be a stir, and through comes through, here comes Imelda. You know, everybody's, oh, Corey's just sitting over there, you know, and it's like, well, whatever, Corey, Corey. But I, as far as a decent person, Corey Aquino is a much more decent person. Um, but I think the thing with the Philippines is, in my mind, first of all, it's a growing country. I mean, they're up to 120 million people now. <laughs> and they're they're growing at 2 or 3% a year but it's not crazy growth anymore it's just the fact they in indonesia malaysia are the only people having babies i think the philippines birth control, birth rate now is about 2.6 that's really not, that's the united states in 1970 you know it's not it's not 5.8 or something like that you know what i'm saying like people used to freak out and it's dropping and that 2.6 is actually Still skewed quite a bit by some families having four, five, or six people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, five, five, or six children. Philippines is a valuable ally to the U.S., and the U.S. needs to do a better job. Obama ignored it. Uh, we actually insulted them quite a bit. You know, I, 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 I know one of the presidents, and after she left office, she's not a stupid person. She went to George, George you know, Gloria went to Georgetown. And, you know, she's from Pampanga, my wife's province, and my wife's, her, her mother always loved my, loved my wife because they're same same province people and would ask about my wife, too, you know. And Gloria told me a couple of times um, that, you know, really the U.S. went out of their way a little bit to kind of ignore the Philippines, and I thought that was really quite bad. That has a lot to do with our foreign service, too. Have you ever met a Filipino specialist? You got all the sinologists, you got all the guys who love Japan, the guys who love Burma, Thailand. Nobody really likes the Philippines. In all honesty, there's very few people who make a career based on the Philippines. It's it's, it's not. It's just not. It's, there's 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 really no. That's because they're so much. They're so like us. You know what I'm saying? And and the problem we had was is that Bush largely ignored them. Did not do a good job with them. Obama did not do a good job with them at all. Trump, in fairness to Pottinger and Stilwell, they probably showed the Philippines more attention than everybody else. And and I think Eli Ratner and some other people are continuing that because they're seeing the value of the Filipinos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the map of Asia, I mean, we used to have the army there um, from, what, 1899 until uh, there was a brief interruption from 1941 to 1944. <laughs> And then again, until we got kicked out in ninety two, it's a logic. I mean, even if we don't need giant naval bases, it doesn't it seems like we don't anymore, since a single ship has far more capabilities. And you know, the idea that you need a base with thirty thousand guys walking around who are on shore leave just doesn't really uh, make make as much sense as it used to, and costs a lot. But the idea that you put the army somewhere, uh, if, if you were going to plus up forces in the Pacific take forces out of Germany or out of the States and put it out there or move them to South Korea, where I'm convinced they would be useless in a contingency with China. South Koreans will sort of fail. Who's calling? Oh, sorry, the, the phone line doesn't really work. Can't quite hear you. Can you call us back next week? Um, you know, the Philippines might be a logical place to, if you're not going to put things in uh, Taiwan, if you don't want to put all the eggs in Japan's basket, but it seems like we're, we're a long way from that. But maybe I think uh, so. I think I think
1: different. I think we're still a long way from it. Look, I'm one of these ones, and the best thing that ever happened in our relationship long term with the Philippines is we got out because I, I was actually part of the pullout, you know, down there. And, um, you know, quite frankly, it was a mess. But if we were still there, you have to have the knowledge of what happened earlier. You know what I'm saying? Everything in the Philippines was basically America's fault, America's input. God knows we had people that couldn't keep their hands out of anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, one of the most atrocious things that ever happened there that I learned about that hasn't been written about was Hewlett Packard. When they were doing the birth control there, you know, they're putting the IUDs in the women's arms, you know, and that was an American sponsored program. And it's just throughout there, like, you know, messing around. Probably we're probably the worst colonial masters in history. The Brits are the best. They're like, go over there, and make money. You pay us. We're fine. Bye bye. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, the Americans were always, you know, it's, it's it really, they, in a really, we're screwing the place up. We've been out of there. We have a great relationship with them. We have great ties with them and the Filipinos are actually pretty good soldiers and sailors. In other words, when they get the right training and they get the right leadership, which they often do, they're actually pretty solid. The problem is they just never really have the right equipment because they got no money. Um, but but that's that. But I but I do think, you know, when you we talk about defense and stuff like that, I wanna come back to Taiwan. What what's your sense of this of, of Taiwan and, and its feel for the its allies in the region? I mean, do the Taiwanese think the Filipinos are potential allies? Do they think the Japanese are potential allies? Do they think the Americans will fight for them?
0: That's a great question. Um I'd say not with the with the Philippines it's sort of baby steps they thought that coordinating coast guards maybe and having just a little bit you know things that are very minor but would be a big step for Taiwan they think maybe they can get with the new leadership in the Philippines. Um I didn't see anyone saying that they sort of expect the sea change in Japan to you know result in Japan definitely being willing to step up. Uh, and I got to say, it seems like any attack from China on Taiwan would be carefully constructed not to accidentally or deliberately hit Okinawa or any Japanese territory. They're not going to make it easy for Japan to uh, to get involved. Um, you know, I don't think there's a sense that the U.S. would definitely come to uh, their defense. I think they hope for that, but it's not a it's not a sure thing. Um and, you know, my own view is that if you don't have a strong U.S. presence, that then that does call into question. You can have, like, you know, we have we have treaty alliances with the Philippines, with Thailand, with uh, every NATO country. Um, but uh, in the Middle East, they're not so interested in having necessarily a treaty on paper. What they're interested in is having U.S. forces present. That's what makes the commitment real. That's why Bahrain doesn't really worry that much. They worry a little bit, certainly about Iran and all the other bad actors. The UAE, too, we don't have a formal base, but we have an informal base of, yeah. of uh, certainly a lot of aviation assets, and same with Saudi Arabia. And so without that, I think the Taiwanese that's are- a good analogy.
1: Are... <laughs> that's a that's, that's, that's good analysis. I, I think you're right. I, I think overall, my opinion, though, is aside from the Taiwanese, because i would be honest with you, I, I'm one of these ones upset the Taiwanese. I don't think they matter as much as people think they do. In other words, I think the Japanese look down there and they go, "Okay, this is Yokohama. This is this is all our our Tokyo Bay. These are this is us going south. You know what I'm saying? And if we're going to go south and then go, 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 uh, go west, you know, over to the uh, over to Europe, we got to go through basically by Taiwan. You know, I mean, major container ships, their route is 100 miles off Taiwan or if they're going to stop in Hong Kong. It's down the straight. You know what I'm saying? The question is, are they going to allow that economic lifeline to be cut? And I think the answer is no. And I think the other thing, too, is we could sit around all day and hope the Chinese are good enough not to target them. I think we have to understand the hatred the Chinese have of the Japanese. And I think those southern islands get it for sure. And that brings Japan in. Japan comes in. We come in. And I think the other thing too is is that what we've seen, thanks to Putin, and what we've seen, thanks to actually Pelosi, in fairness, is the Chinese don't really have the capability yet for this year, or maybe the next seven or eight years. In my mind, is a long uh, to actually get an invasion force that can get get on the ground in Taiwan and wrap this thing up pretty quickly. You know, like I, I said earlier about the army screwing up the civil defense. That's going to change. It's already coming along. You know what I'm saying? So what's going to happen is, is like, can China get across there and 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 really can China get across there and actually uh, uh, and take Taiwan? I'm not sure they can. I mean, look at the Russians. You know, that was they were counting on a quick one. The other thing, too, is people go with the Ukrainians or fighters. We don't know about the Taiwanese. Well, the Chinese don't have a great track record either. You know, and they and they haven't fought either. So this would be a brand new thing for them. I follow a couple of websites and the way they talk to you, it's like it would be like a video game. It's like, no, no, that's not the way it's going to be. And the other thing, too, is the U.S. actually has a lot of options thanks to submarines and cruise missile launch cruise missiles from 300 miles off. They got a lot of options out there to basically not put one U.S. soldier in in the line of sight. You know what I'm saying? And we've we've seen we've seen that. Another thing too, we've seen that happen with um, um, in Ukraine, where essentially, I mean, I'm sorry, you see these missiles being fired at the Russians long term. but these, you're trying to tell me there's not U.S. advisors close by? You know what I'm saying? That's why Putin's losing his mind. You know, you know, uh, they're out there trying to hunt down American advisors. You know, but the Amer- they can they can launch those missiles from very safe areas. You know, and then the Russians don't really have the motivation, motivated troops to go get those guys. So it's 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 really it's really quite something. But I, I tend to, I tend to think you're right. I tend to think the Taiwanese kind of doubt the Americans will come. But I think the more the Taiwanese prepare to fight, I think the more likely this will come.
0: Yeah, that's you know? and that's the key thing. It's it's a bit of a chicken and egg. But you know, if it's not the I don't think it's the case where the more we um become involved and say we'll be involved that the Taiwanese will be oh great well they're taking care of it we don't need to do anything i think they've gotten to uh, a tipping point where they are determined to spend more and do more and they could always do a little more than they are but um and that'll be actually reinforced if they have a sense that we'll be involved because it won't seem like a hopeless cause yeah
1: i i was hope that pompeo and the, all the people who and all the americans who show up in the future i would hope they would help the administration the civil authorities Overcome the objections from the military for civil defense. In other words, I would hope that somebody would take up, you know, Wolfowitz has talked about this for years. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to pre position 50,000, 60,000 rifles, 40 or 50,000 anti tank, you know, 20,000 anti tank weapons, some Stinger missiles, you know what I'm saying? And we're going to train a provincial, you know, a territorial defense force of 50,000, 60,000 people who will fight. You know find the guys pay them some money and they'll in addition to the army and and i think it's taiwan is not a big place if the chinese have to come ashore and you got to fight these guys who are willing to fight it attra- those types of things naturally attract guys who want to fight too by the way so i am I'm just I'm, I'm i'm just not as pessimistic about taiwan now as i was a year and a half ago and it's because i i i, I am fairly more optimistic but we've got to continue to see real things happen that's that's the thing there
0: all right, that's all the time we have for this episode, but join us again soon for another edition of Simon Light. Thanks.